cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello, welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. Tomorrow, Ryan on the board, SP Futures down fitting, NASDAQ, NASDAQ Futures down 80. Do we have a uh, Professor Carl? Oh, you wanted to say down 50 hundred. Yeah, 50, 50. Fitty. No, no, 50 hundred. Yeah. So that's, that's what it's going to be. Oh, God. Uh, let's hope you're, uh, if you are right, I hope I got some puts for my people. Just I, uh, you know what? Um, well,. During the run-up, uh, I might have bought some way out-of-the-money lottery tickets uh, with a nice long expiration. They, they, you know, that was also when, uh, you know, the VIX was at about 12. Yeah. <laughs> so they weren't very expensive either, which, I mean, that's, that's the right time to buy them. Well, actually, I don't know if I ever told you, we were... Uh Morningstar's Money Manager of the Year in uh, 2007. Oh, there you go. Um, and the reason why we did that is we had a... Well, I mean, A, we know what we're doing. I, I like to think we do. What uh, we put... I knew the market was pretty high. and um, Yeah. And, but for some reason, and this you know, this is not a investment advice. This is just, just the facts, ma'am, as Joe Friday once said. Um... For some reason, when the market runs up and people are very comfortable with it, the cost of insurance, meaning the, the price of uh, the volatility, implied volatility, and the cost of the puts and the calls, I mean, they're all the same in terms of volatility, the uh, is very inexpensive because people are very comfortable when it's high. And yet when you run down, um, and the market ran down, it went down by like almost 40%, the price of insurance is really high, it's, it's, but it's it's totally different than if you're if you buy a new truck at seventy five grand, your insurance is going to be higher than when the thing is twenty years old and it's worth ten, or five or one, right? So, but but it's it's totally counterintuitive. So, when the, when the actually high came in two thousand and seven or whatever it was early two thousand eight, I think the VIX, well, it wasn't a VIX, the implied volatility, which is the way the old timers look at it. Was might have been like an eleven or a ten, so yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Yeah. We actually had a there was a period of time where it was threatening to be single digit. Well, you know the uh, well when I finish this story, I will tell you when, when the absolute lowest ever was, not in terms of the VIX because you know it's a different, it's a contrived kind of thing, but the right the implied volatility and maybe you could guess. But what happened? The, the VIX the volatility was so cheap, and you know all of a sudden you know, uh, we, you know I was getting a lot of new clients. And uh, I said, you know, all these people want to be in the market. It's going up. I'll tell you what I'll do. These puts are so cheap. If I bought, like, 2,000 shares of spiders, instead of buying 20 puts and just covering everything, I bought 30 and, so, and sold the 20 calls. Um, maybe I didn't even sell the calls because they were too cheap to sell. 
So when the thing ran down, not only did we have extra puts, but the volatility exploded, so we actually made a bunch of dough on the way down, even though... Yeah, you, yeah, you got, yeah, you got the, the good side, even though, right. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's the oddity of, you know, of, of how implied's work, and, and it, it's, you know, it's never... I've never quite understood the, the, the logic... I mean, I get the lot, you know, it's fear, right, is, is yeah. what tends to drive that. But when you think about it, which, the way it's supposed to work, implied volatility, the word volatility, um, if, if you're getting this huge spike upward, you should see the implieds reflect that too. But they do every, whenever he's comfortable. That's yeah, well, I, I'm just saying they don't because... Yeah. Most people are long only people, right? Right. So, so the the guys on the short side aren't the ones driving the option premiums. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, it comes it comes. A lot of people will say that okay, if I uh, this is a strategy we don't usually employ it, but a lot of people do. Uh, Nvidia right now it's trading seven sixteen. Okay, well now yeah, that- I was yeah I was going to bring that one up uh, here because there's an interesting story that's making the rounds here. Well, yeah. Um, I don't even. I don't know what my thing up. I should have it up here, but somehow it disappeared. Um, if you, some people will say, I really, I really don't want to buy it here, but uh, but I right. love the stock, so I'll buy it at, uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll buy it at six fifty or something. Uh, yeah. So they'll they'll deliberately be short, uh, trying to get put on them. Right. They'll sell those the six fifty puts. When it's but the thing of it is, it's not for those that don't know. Uh, it, it's not if you have the cash to buy it, it's not considered a naked put. I mean, it's it's a cash secured right. put. You can you can you I don't, don't we don't have anybody who does this. You can you can do that in your IRA. Because it's a cash oh, secured I, oh, put. I, uh, Chief, I did during during the middle of the crash, I I shorted a substantial number of GE fives. Okay, yeah, and 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 I did it intentionally. It, I was trying to get assigned. It it didn't happen, so I just kept the premium. Well, the earnings but, are this week, so I'm going to say, I'm not going to say, I'm going to actually look. If you if you just said, boy, if it ever got down to six seventy, I want to buy it again. Um, I've, I've got the March first six seventy puts are twenty bucks. Yeah. So your your actual cost, if you had to buy it, would be six fifty. Which you know the, th- the stock was just for something. I mean, it was one eighty what a year ago. So I mean, it, uh, by the way, this is no recommendation whatsoever. But I'm saying that's the way some people. The problem with that is, I'll give you a, a real life example. Um, for years, can you, I don't know if you can imagine this, Carl. You probably can, but the rest of the world probably can't. GE like never traded under thirty bucks. They right. just never, tra- and they paid a solid dividend. They made dough. They you know they were about as good a company. One time they were the biggest company. Around, uh, you know, and them, and then was GM right after them, and it was like the oil companies. I mean, whatever year you pick, different. I mean, there was no Nvidia, there was none of that stuff. Uh, so GE was was. Uh, so all of a sudden we get this seminar. We've got about twenty five people here in the office. And it's a good group, and I said, you know, everybody, I've always wanted to buy GE under thirty, and it never quite got there. And all of a sudden, this is when they're starting to implode. So when was this? Two thousand seven, eight, somewhere in there. And I, I said, "Geez, uh, trading like 25." So, my my dreams have been realized. <laughs> um, you know, let's. And everybody goes, "Yeah, yeah." And I said, "All right, now, 
half the people were already PTI customers. I said, how about if we pass around a bunch of buy tickets, <laughs> put down how many shares you want, put your name on the bottom, on a Monday morning, my brother Dan will buy everybody G, and everybody goes, well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Things have changed. Now, it's 25 I don't want to pay 25 This company will look like it did six months ago, which it didn't. So, so that's, that's the problem with when, when information comes at you, you know, virtually every day or every minute, depending on it, you, you can sit there and go, I'd sure, I'd sure love to buy NVIDIA at 650 Well, now it's trading, you know, 720 so that's a, yeah, that's a bold statement. Yeah, it's a statement. little above there. Right. Yeah, it's a bold statement. But if it actually gets to 650 why did it get to 650 I mean, what, what, what was the, the piece of information or, or pieces of information or the state of the world? I mean, did an, did an asteroid hit New York? I mean, uh, I mean, you may not want to leave that order in there forever because things change. Right. Well, that, well, that's uh, yeah, and that's that's the whole problem with those kinds of of strategies is that uh, the reason it's trading six fifty uh, might be because uh, at least for them the end of the world just happened. Yeah, and they're headed to a hundred. Right. <laughs> so, you, so you never <laughs> and, really and, know. And oh, and, and oh, by the way, having it at six fifty, if it goes to a hundred, it's really bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, so. Let me let me this this ties into oh before I, before we go before I forget which yeah. I always do forget the lowest implied volatility ever well at that time was in the OEX which was the the thing to trade when do you suppose it was well that one I probably don't know if it's back all the way to the OEX uh, August of nineteen eighty seven two months before the crash ah! <laughs> yeah we know what happened after that yeah. right it was down to like nine they actually had buttons in the pit that said say no to puts. Every morning, the first twenty orders well, would be sell puts. Well, yeah, yeah, you know it's there. <laughs> problem with picking up nickels in front of a steamroller is that you can trip. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. The um, so this morning, uh, just by happenstance, uh, I had an article that I've been working on for a few days uh, about, the, and the, the title of it is that we can't vote our way out of this. Okay, and it's talking about it's 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 basically about all of the crazy antitrust stuff. By the way, while I was sleeping, yeah, um, we just got another example of of this stupidity. Capital One and Discover. Yeah. By the way, I love my Discover card. Now, now, what am I to get rid of it? Well, uh, Capital One, by the way, is a subprime lender and always has been. They're a bottom feeder. Right. Oh yeah. They've. I mean, that's. Uh, but they got that super good looking girl in the commercials. Well, that's not a slur. That's, I mean, that they they market. I mean, that's their market. Okay, is people with crappy credit scores. Discover not so much. Discover right? is any, is the best credit card I've ever had. They've, uh, chief, I've had a Discover card for over twenty years. Well, they give you your your uh, what do you call it? your your they every month for free. They check your all score. your. They give you your score and they check. They give you a report that they check for all your social security and everything on the dark web. Whether any. If anybody's applied for any credit right. or to give you all that stuff, inclu- I won't say free, I'll say included. Well, it's, it, it, yeah, do realize. Well, it is free if you pay them every month, which I do. Well, well, that's right. But the, but do realize that the reason that they, they do this isn't because they're nice guys and want to give it to you. It's because it goes into their risk algorithms and, and they've got the data anyway. Well, okay, but uh, so other people, they don't give it for nothing. Well, I understand. Well, right. yeah, because it, they don't care about the risk algorithm of somebody who's not a customer. The... <laughs> So, I mean, you know, let, let's let's be realistic here. These, I mean, but I mean, American I, Express doesn't do that for me. I've been American Express since seventy something. Well, I understand that they still they have the data; they just don't give it to you, right? 
at, at Amex is, by the way, Amex is nowhere near as good as, I, I don't think I've ever told this story on the air, but I've written about it several times. Um, I, I know personally, so I know all the details of someone who managed to get them for 40 grand. Yeah, Amex. Get, really? And actually got them. And and uh, just I mean just simply by not paying, okay, you know the hard way, right? Well, <laughs> they actually let that happen. Now you want to, you want to think about you know you know how they always say no preset spending limit, but you know but we pay attention to all the yeah okay they don't pay nearly as good of attention as they like to claim they do. Because uh, like I said, I know somebody got them for forty thousand dollars, and. I don't know if they were intending to get them for the forty grand, or if that's just the way things ended up working out. I have no idea, obviously, because I don't know what was in the other person's head. Uh, but I, but I do know that it happened. Uh, so anyway, back back to where I was about to go. So I put up an article that I've been working on for several days uh, about how we cannot vote our way out of this. Okay, we ca- we can't. The the problems we have right now, including the bubble in the market that we have today. You know, you sent this thing around about the Magnificent Seven. Yep. Um, I don't care which political party you vote for. You cannot vote your way out of this problem. Well, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's one thing, it's not the best not being young enough to go from first to third in the softball field, but I don't. This is so 2000 with the five companies owning the world. I, it's it's it's, wor- it's much worse than that. What is, it is it is, but, but it's the exact same movie. Well, I understand, but but chief, the underlying thing that's driving this is 18 it's late 1800s. Okay, that oh, yeah. led to the Long Depression. All right, and, and just two quick examples. All right, which are not in the article because they just came across my desk this morning, and I saw them as I was drinking my espresso before I came on the air here. First one, NVIDIA, because we got it. We got to hit these guys because they're one of the Mag 7. Uh, H100 GPUs, which, as anybody who follows a company, and I have for a long time. In fact, I have an NVIDIA card in my computer that I'm speaking to you through right now. I really like their processors. Okay, you know, but they're, they're the graphics chip that does you know virtually all the film and video editing and every, you know, all that. I mean, it's good good product. Okay. But the H100s are this specialized version of this stuff that really, you could probably do video editing with it, but that's not what people do with them. They do AI with them, all right? That's the whole point of these things. They're very large scale, and they're ridiculously expensive. How much, Um, when you say that, how much will those chips go for? Oh, good God. Um, How big is the thing, like your thumbnail? These things, uh, uh, no, these are fairly, these are like board-sized, you know, uh, modest board-sized things, okay? Um, uh, these these chips, th- these chips are somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, what are they, 50 grand a piece or something like this? So these are the equivalent of like nine zillion transistors or something? Well, they're, uh, d- uh, d- yeah, they're... They're the same sort of. It's the same sort of logic that's in the graphics card that's in your computer, just much bigger. Okay. Okay. So I mean, you know, you would not buy one of these to to you know play uh you know play the latest first person shooter game. All right. Um, you know, no nobody in the consumer world buys them for that kind of purpose. They're they're just they're ridiculously expensive. I mean, 
Well, how come they're? I, I mean, how come they're? Well, the well, hundred, a hundred of the uh, chief, a hundred of these things cost about five million dollars. Okay, well, I guess my question: Well, if they're that expensive and that good, why I got the stack at like eleven times revenue? Well, they are good. Okay, but I'm still, but, but I mean, still, I mean, if, you would think their revenue would be higher if it. Well, mean, uh, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> a minute. So, what the, what this is is there's this, there's this little company, this little over the counter company called American Cannabis Company. Okay. Now you say, well, what the, how does the American Cannabis Company, what's that got to do with it sounds like It sounds like hooch to me. <laughs> well, uh, the, gee, I wonder what they make, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why do they need H100 GPUs? Okay, so American Cannabis Company uh, does advisory services and things like this. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're a tiny little over-the-counter firm uh, with, without, a, without a whole lot of revenue, all right? I mean, they're, they're, they're really not that big. I mean, this is a company that has a $2 million market cap. Okay, uh, the, the eighteen uh, supposedly uh, twenty-two revenue of about eighteen million, uh, net income of about six hundred k. So I mean, th- this is you know these guys are they're, well, they're over the counter, they're the micro cap. Okay, I mean, uh, gee, we we never got quite that big, but but we were in their league. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So they they did this convoluted memorandum of understanding chain of stuff. To supply a whole bunch of M of H one hundreds to a company uh, that uh, was going to use these things in a place where you're not allowed to send them, specifically China. Oh yeah. Now I think that, I think ha- Nvidia is, is dancing real on the head of the pin on this China thing. Well. So the problem here is that there's this other company that's involved in the middle of this thing called Hyperscale, and 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 by the way, how's a two million? And, and, and by the way, we're not talking. Then all of a sudden, when Hyperscale gets involved in this thing, we're not talking about a hundred of these things. All of a sudden, we're going to be supplying thirty thousand H100s. You know, it's almost like they're padding their supply line. Well, now that's a billion dollars worth of chips. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. That's a billion dollars worth of chips. So, the, the obvious now, the first question is, where's the money coming from, right? To buy, where, where's the billion dollars? That'd be the first question, I would think, right? You got a little company. I think it's coming know, from Nvidia, isn't it? Well, you know, you got to wonder where that, how, how that's, how this is all. Where, where's all the money coming from? First, first question. Second question is, all this stuff is going to the wrong place. Somewhere it can't go. Well, their, ch- their chairman's story that I've seen him on TV say says that they've backed the chip off, so it's technically okay with the. Oh no 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 no! This whole thing's going to ex- this the, the whole thing supposedly with the, when you unravel this Gordian knot, it ends up at this place called Xfusion, which is a Chinese-owned company, right? Which you cannot send these things. But through. Was it, didn't he say on TV that the the thing has been backed off to where it's not? Uh, no, 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 because the company is going through a branch in the UAE, which is not restricted. Okay, but I, I could have sworn the guy was asked this question when I was listening to him. Uh, yeah. This is a different, I, I think this is a different deal. There's, there's okay. four or five of these. There's not just yeah, one. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of them around, but, I, but that, that, was his, that was his question was. Uh, how are you doing this? That was a CNBC article. It was about how. Yeah, how he, do you not go you know, to jail doing this? Right? He was like. We know exactly what the, what whatever the restriction is and the stuff that ends up over there is like, you know, 
uh, a hair's breadth this side of the uh, uh, of the restriction. Basically, is what I got out of it. Well, that's the story, anyway. Okay, but this is you know. Supposedly, I, I'm, not, I'm not debating. I'm just saying that's that's the party I know, line. I I know, but there's but there there's a bunch of intermediaries uh, at an authorized distributor supposedly. It would, that's, it would that's, take four accountants six months to figure out. And I get it. I mean, I, I, listen. If I it, it, and oh by the way, one of these distributors doesn't actually show Nvidia, it, and they're a publicly traded firm, doesn't show Nvidia as one of their vendors, but does show a bunch of other people that are like, for example, Apple, APC. You know the guys that make UPSs. Yeah, you know those guys. Uh, I happen to have a few of them laying around my uh, my shop here. Lenovo, uh, you know, motherboard makers. I mean, you know, go down the list. All all these big guys, you know, SAS, Asus, all very well-known technology companies. But there's a one that's mysteriously missing, and they're the ones that are going to be, you know, billion dollars worth of these chips. Okay. Um, a little bit of a game going on here, and, and unwinding this knot, I, good luck. All right? I mean, I, I'm just reading this this morning. I haven't dug through any of the you know the documentation yet uh, i'm not sure that i'm going to take the probably take me a week to read them all and figure it all out yeah it's it's that's my they, uh carl whenever they, I, when I, I they do it this way on purpose chief sure but, they do all right so here's so number one there's 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 probably 15 felonies in here somewhere right uh, at least by some standard. We, we don't it, care about people that high up the, the food chain we also some. don't all right now just again today, as I woke up, February 18th, so actually not today, the news came out a couple of days ago, but yo, close enough, right? Um, Pfizer settles with Lipitor buyers for $93 million, alleged to have conspired with an Indian generic producers to extend a patent. Uh, by the way, that's under antitrust law. Last time I checked, antitrust was a criminal Well, you're, you're, you're obviously... Not checking hard enough because I've asked, I've asked everybody, I've asked you, I've asked Lou, I've asked all our attorneys. When did this go from being a, a felony to the other? Nobody can give me that date or number or law, but it sure as hell has. Well, and you know what? It's here's it, it gets better than this. Okay, uh, let me read you Tennessee Code annotated. All right, TCA forty-seven twenty-five one hundred four, section one hundred four. It's short. Any corporation chartered under the laws of the state which violates any of the provisions of 4725-101 or 102, which, by the way, is essentially the same thing as Sherman and Clayton in 15 U.S.C. Chapter 1, uh, shall thereby forfeit its charter and franchise, and its corporate existence shall thereupon cease. I think every, if, we, right, if we and I look... Foreign, I'm, I'm with foreign, you, you know that, but if you and I look, we'll find, we'll find a thousand laws that nobody chief, even thinks about. Chief, every foreign corporation which commits such a violation is denied the right to do and is prohibited from doing business in this state. That's a corporate death penalty, okay? And and then, Clause C, the last sentence, it is the duty of the Attorney General and Reporter to enforce this section. It is not an option. It is not prosecutorial discretion. It is specifically called out as a requirement that these prosecutions take place. Um, on sort of a parallel note, and maybe I'll ask, I'll ask Kevin uh, since since Lou is busy. 
he wants me to come on. He wanted uh, uh, Lou as well to go in on his. Got a whole bunch of people some one night. Uh, you know, his class, his business law class or business class, or whatever right. it is, to talk about antitrust. And he said, "Well, if Lou's not on, maybe you don't want to talk about it." I said, "No, I'll be happy to. I would. I'd like a partner, but I'll ask him before I ask you." Um, I just think from the very beginning, because it obviously comes down to investment. Because if these laws are not going to be enforced, you essentially want want to buy the monopolists, right? I mean, unfortunately. Well, I. Ex- I mean, I don't want to necessarily, but but I, I mean, I'm supposed to make money for people too, right? Well, I understand that, Chief. But the problem is, is that with this, the whole reason these laws were put in place was not just because the common person gets screwed, okay? Even though they do. The the reason these laws were put in place is because we got a 20 year economic depression out of it. Oh, sure, we know in that. The 1800s. Okay, which was centered in the railroad industry, which you know, because you, you, gee, what did you used to do, right? Yep. Um, and and Congress didn't just put these laws in place and go through our democratic process because people got hurt. Okay, although you know, getting screwed by a monopolist, it, I mean, that hurts, right? It's out of your wallet. That isn't the entire reason that they did it. The entire reason they did it was that it, it literally destroyed the American economy for two decades, and. When it ca- and it wasn't the monopolies that did it; it was when it blew up in everyone's face. Now, we seem to think today that this isn't going to happen again. Um, I am. You, 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 yes, it is. Okay, but I, where, where I'm trying to head with this is, by the way, if you do join me on uh, the thing with Kevin, I was just going to start. My yeah, cons- you got you got me on a week when I'm going to be skiing. So you know. okay, I, I mean, uh, okay. What I'm, what I'm saying <laughs> is, is the uh, you and I can talk about this, okay? Because I took classes in this both at Notre Dame and at University of Chicago. I've been very interested in it. Milton Friedman, of course, all he did was talk about it. Well, not all he did; he did money supply mostly, but he talked about it. Uh, so I, and I, I'm, and obviously you are even more aware of this than I am. But for Kevin's class, and I said, you know, I'll be happy to talk, but I, more I've thinked about, more I've thunk about it. Um, I'm just gonna. These are younger. These are these are young people. Well, they don't know anything about what the hell we're talking about. They've never seen it in their life. If if somebody has a, a hot dog stand and they buy the guy next door and raise the prices, they think that's good business. They have no. That's, that's all. What I'm saying. What, I, what, I, what I'm thinking about doing, and, and if Kevin agrees, because his class, I'm just gonna read. <laughs> The first piece of the Sherman Act, the first yeah. piece of the Clayton Act, and, and talk about how, how how does this affect you on a very small scale? I mean, right. you, you think it's nothing, but it, even, I mean, I would think most of these kids remember kids or they're young adults. Uh, these young adults remember was it eight years ago, ten years ago? Walmart had how many drugs for five hours of prescription? Oh yeah, virtually every one of those has been generic manufacturers has been bought up. By the original company had this stuff. And guess what? They're not five hours anymore. So, so anybody doesn't think that you know uh, that you know grandma isn't paying, or grandpa, or your mom, or you, if you got something wrong with you, isn't paying fifty or hundred bucks for that prescription when it ought to be ten. And it doesn't affect you in the wrong way. You're wrong. I mean, and, and I think people don't think about it. That well, way. that's right, and that's it, it, and the thing is, is that we had. You know, back when we actually had people that that not all of them were bribed, 
Right. Although, although certainly an awful lot of them, you know, come on, politics attracts money and money attracts corruption, right? I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. People say, oh, you know, it's, it's different this time. No, it's not. It's the same as it, I mean, um, it's been. You know what? I, I think the individual people were different. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go back to the Andy Mayberry stuff, but when, when Paul Simon retired, he went and taught class for Eastern Illinois or someplace. He lived in his, the same house. He left. He lived there when he when he went to Washington. He wasn't a millionaire when he came back. I don't think Sam no, Irwin well, yeah, was. Well, I don't think Dan Inouye was. I, you know, I, I don't think Everett Thurkson was. I mean, was there political contribution? Yeah, I'm not naive. But I mean, the, the the numbers. It's not anywhere near the same of what drug companies are doing. I mean, the military industrial establishment. I think they did a lot of it with their power and their. We're going to be tougher than the Russians more than just stuff in your pocket. It was. Way, I mean, it, I don't. I didn't see those individuals. I didn't. I don't see uh, Dan Rostenkowski being the richest man on earth. How long was he? No, and, and you know what? What's especially galling is that, especially in the in the context of the, the current day stuff, the Nvidia particularly. Okay, guess who just made several million dollars buying Nvidia calls a couple of months ago? Oh, I, I'm, you're going to tell me I'm going to be pissed off. Who, who is it? We got to go to break. Nancy Pelosi. Oh, okay. Doesn't surprise her. Or her husband. I, well, I, I'm not. It doesn't matter. They're married. Oh no, I guess not. <laughs> SP futures down 13. The futures down 65. Be right back, it's Carl Denninger. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, no, big stocks and jacks. I'm talking about Ryan on the board. SP futures down 13. As the futures down 65. We had Walmart earnings up three. That's up three three seventy nine. They're also going to buy uh, <clears throat> the people that make the TVs. I don't. I don't get the connection on that. Maybe Carl does. They claim the headline is to increase their ad space. I don't know how that works, but maybe Carl does. Uh, the Dow futures are down 108. Um, you know, we're down, but not all that much. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 24.1%. Puts the up 13.1%. CAC around up 243 So um, we got Barclay. Barclays is going to come out with their earnings, and they're up because they're going to restructure or something. Um, but they are up. 
Over the Nikkei down 106.2, they're, they're trading. Hang Seng uh, is also trading up 91.5% over 16,000, 16,247. In Shanghai, after the, the Lunar New Year, uh, is up 12 points, uh, 29.22, trying to get back to 3,000. Year of the Dragon, <coughs> that's that's my year. Ryan, do you even know your year? Hey, I'm here. How's it going, guys? So do you even know your year? Oh, do Chinese I know my year? Oh, apologies. I thought you were asking if I was here. But yes, I am year of the rooster. Really? Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, a good time. We had a guest for Carl, and I didn't want to even go there. Uh, on Friday, a long time ago, Dow was down 145, S&P down 24, and NASDAQ down 130. We have bonds down two basis points, a 10-year rate, 4.27. Uh, the bond down two basis points, 2.38. So not much going on there. Um, we have oil. Down 36 cents, but 78.83. I'm going to say these guys have definitely broken out of the uh, 71 to 75 range. Almost, almost 80 here. Brent uh, down 74 cents, 82.82. Natural gas down two cents, 158. Wow, ouch on that. <clears throat> that's really something. I mean, that's a uh, El Nino winter run track to be the warmest February ever in Chicago. And then we've got Arbob down three cents, 229. Even though, yes, the pump here has been up like 20 or 30 cents in the last week. Uh, U.S. dollar un- against the euro 108 against the uh, British pound uh, 126, so kind of where it has been. We've got gold uh, up 1460, 2038, trying to get back into the middle 2000s. Once it gets to 2050, can't seem to go any higher. We'll see this time. Silver down 32 cents, 23.15. That's a little odd. Uh, copper down a penny, uh, 282. We've got Bitcoin, which has been rallying, up 356, 52,224. Uh, that's, that's up there. Uh, Ryan, what do you have for us, traffic, weather, sports? So, in sports news, uh, well, in Chicago, anyway, the Blackhawks lost 3-6 to six to the Hurricanes. All they, they do is lose. Yeah, big ol' ouch there, man. Yeah. So, I mean, we had a dynasty going for a little bit, but the keyword is a little bit. You know, you partied, you had fun in high school, but uh, then you come to the sobering realization that... Uh, they suck. That's the short of it. Yeah. You are correct. Oh, also, in case you forgot about February 14th, the Bulls lost to uh, 103-106 to to the Cavaliers. Another ouch there, Tom. How you feeling about that? Well, you know, they, they are at least competitive, and I'm glad they didn't trade uh, Andre Drummond, so at least they're, for a second part of the year, they might be okay to watch. Yeah, so they suck a little less than the Blackhawks, right. is that correct? No, no, the Hawks are the worst team. In, the Bulls are going to make the playoffs. The Hawks are the worst team in hockey by far. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, alas, what can you do, right? Oh, uh, also, in case you forgot about how the Super Bowl went, uh, people are still on social media posting about Travis Kelsey yelling at Andy Reid. you believe that's still going on? Uh, well, I mean, it was a little unusual, bumping and yelling at the coach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, not kosher, to say the least. No, no, it was not. Uh, well, we'll get Carl's opinion on that. Um, so, uh, are, we go- are we good here? Carl? Yeah. Yeah. Carl, you're here so, with... So, were you, did you used to up and bump your coach and yell at him? You know, you know what? Um, back in, in the world that wasn't called crazy, if you did that, you were ejected by said coach. Oh, yeah. That was it. Well, you can't if your girlfriend's up in the stands and everybody's watching her. Uh, you go ahead and you do that. You're headed to the locker room, buddy. Go take a shower. Put your street clothes on. You're done. Well, I think these guys are, uh, I'm going to say they're psyched up. I, I don't care. Ryan, we can we can lose the, the music. Oh, okay. Yeah, you insist. 
the, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, in, in the real world, not on Planet Crazy, which is where we live today, right, that your girlfriend uh, flies around uh, spewing tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere but claims we're all going to die from global warming as a result of putting carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, she's, you know, she's about the richest god uh, because she can sing. And, and yes, she can sing. Oh, okay. people like her. She has personality. I mean... I, I, hey, listen, I, if you're willing to pay that kind of money to go see somebody, you know, perform, I'd, I, who am I to argue, right? I mean, that's that's called capitalism. Uh, I don't have a problem with it, but but the moralizing, on the other hand, I have a huge problem with when you're, the, when you're doing precisely what it is that you claim is so horrible. And, oh, by the way, the most important thing in the world is for you to go make another, you know, $20 million or whatever it was singing in Japan, and then you have to, you have to take that, you know, that many, you know, thousands of tons of CO2 into the atmosphere because you got to be back to watch your, your boyfriend, uh, you know, play, you know, play sport ball. I, I did. Yeah. All right. Hey, I got a question um, for you, our Mr. Mr. Know-it-all on the airline side. If you have a, a Gulfstream, which I, I imagine she's in, I, I don't know. But it's actually, it's actually even worse than that. The one that she's flying around in is, is has a uh, carrying capacity and a emissions a footprint that's uh, of something like twice the size. I think it's a Dassault, but it's like twice the size of a Gulfstream. Well, I mean, can you just, uh, I mean, what or do you want to? Do you just head across the dead middle of the Pacific, or do you wander so that if there's a problem, you can find an airport? Uh, those those aircraft, the, the ones that are big enough to do that kind of thing, uh, are, are rated for uh, what's called ETOPS, which uh, in... In civilian parlance, means engines turn or passengers swim. Of course, that's not what it actually stands for, but that's what it is. <laughs> well, but not all even like a, a seven fifty seven or seven thirty seven are not. They're not rated. They don't for have that. a fuel range for it, Chief. Seven fifty seven sort of does. The, the, well, some of the, yeah, and some of them are rated for those kinds of trips, uh, but. But it's really a question of fuel range uh, and whether or not your your particular aircraft is certified to be able to make those kinds of extended overwater flights. Where if something goes wrong, uh, you there isn't anywhere to land. <laughs> okay. Right. So yeah, I mean, there's. And, and but what, like what's the what what's the cutoff? It's like an hour and a half or an hour to get to an airport or something like that. I don't I don't know precisely what it is, but but ETOPS is the is the. The acronym for being certified for those extended overwater flights, and it, and it, it, between people that you know that are in the aviation industry, that the joke is engines turn or passengers swim. Yeah, yeah, well, because that's kind of what it is. Well, I, I, so, I do recall that when <clears throat> the uh, boy, show my age, when the 767s came out, got a beautiful plane. We took one of those from Chicago to Denver, and I'm like, man, this thing is pretty neat. Um, they were, I'm going to say, two, three years that they had approved themselves as a dual-engine plane, not three, before they could, before the FDA certified them from overwater. They had, they essentially had to get a massive track record, and yet when the triple right. sevens came out, it was all just simulated on computers, and they had data right out of the gate. I don't know if I trust the computer to do that. I'd rather have the thing fly for a while before and prove it. Well, the, the so the seven fifty seven, um, I, I know some people that fly, and I've I've flown on one. I've oh, I have know, too. I love that plane. 
Uh, well, there's a reason. There's a reason that they are. I mean, people They're are climbing. People. They are uh, the the performance is amazing. They are hot. They're like a they're like a '60s muscle car. Yeah, they are. And and if you get you know nowadays everyone flies off the computer. Okay, so I mean, literally from the moment the wheels come up until they they hit the tarmac, uh, essentially, if if the conditions permit, it's actually a computer flying a plane. It's not the pilot. Right. And and they and it's not just that this allows them to have cheaper, you know, less skilled crews, although that certainly happens. The bad things happen when, you know, all of a sudden you've got a problem and the computer has to be turned off. Uh, but the real reason for it is because the machine is, is more able to be extraordinarily accurate in terms of power settings and configuration and therefore burns less fuel. And, of course, fuel is the biggest cost for any airline. So it's, it's a money thing more than anything else. And well, hey, Ryan, if, uh, if, as soon as Kenny comes on, let us know. Because we'll go right to him. But in the meantime, I'm going to miss the Carl's story. Well, go ahead. Keep going. So, yeah. So, when, but the, when they were flown by hand, for the most part, uh, boy, I'll tell you what. I, I got in one of those things one time. <laughs> Can't get some wheels up. I think he was at, at 5,000 feet inside of about maybe a minute and a half. I mean, I don't think the climb rate was actually quite that good. But you could feel your oh, yeah, they, they can into the seat. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they think can pile up. I We were on a... Uh, yeah, remember the DC-9s or the, whatever they end up being, MD-something-something? Those things were pretty hot, too. The, uh, so we had to come back, went down to see a client in, in St. Louis. Boy, talk about the most amazing thing I ever saw. Probably was the year, it had to be in the early 90s, when they had that massive flooding in the Mississippi and Missouri where you couldn't even tell where one river was and the other one wasn't. It was just a massive lake that used to be the two rivers. Um, we flew over that. And all you saw were these houses, with, like you just saw a little bit of the roof. Yeah. I mean, I mean the Missouri and the Miss- when they come together, that whole area of farmland and everything for miles was like some massive lake. You couldn't. So finally, when it all dried up, the rivers went back where they're supposed to be. But so we flew from. Well, Saint but, Lo- but you realize that that's why it's such fertile land. Oh yeah. Well, because that happens on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, so we we fly back from St. Louis to uh, Illinois or Chicago, and it's. All kinds of thunder, I mean, really nasty thunderheads. And uh, to where, you know, you couldn't just pick a level. You had to fly around them. So this guy essentially, <clears throat> he flew it all He flew it all the way back, dodging around these things. He wasn't an autopilot the whole way. He lands here, walking, walking to get off the plane, you see the pilot, he had the biggest grin on his face. Like, for the first time he'd done that since he was in the Army. He, oh, was, oh, he was so happy, he actually got to fly <laughs> the, the plane. And, uh, by, the, by the way, I'm a rabbit, if it matters. Well, there you go. Is that supposed to be good? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess right, it depends on how much, how much uh, stock you put in such things. Well, one lady told me that a Sagittarius in the Year of the Dragon doesn't get any better. I'm still waiting for that, you know. Well, So I'm still go. waiting for, uh, you know, a lottery ticket or something type of thing. Well, yeah. All right, so. bud. We'll, we'll talk at you on Friday. A lot of, hey, I want to uh, I'm gonna go to Kenny right away. But I want to dig deeper into this uh Healthcare stuff and the antitrust because the more I look at it, the more and more I do is smell red turds every time I see somebody's bill. Chief, it's going to blow up in our face and it's coming this year or next. It's it, it, and I've been saying that yeah, since I know. the 1990s with the timeline, and and here we are. Yep. All right. So uh, see you Friday, Kenny. We're just going to write to you, buddy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing. We're doing all right for just as a. <clears throat> 
as you know what the hell we're talking about, one of the, the dudes in the building here has uh, a good friend of mine, and he's he has, to, he has to get some hernia surgery at some point. And he's <clears throat> got this kind of crummy insurance policy where he has to pay his big deductible and then some percentage of of the hospital bill. Yeah. And the, they want like 30-some thousand for the surgery. Uh-huh. And he, so his deductible is like 4700 5000 plus fifty. He's into it for like nine grand. If he does it, you know, well, you and I might say the proper way, but if he goes to one of these surgical centers, they're like seven grand <clears throat> and for the same thing. And uh, I'm sitting there going, Kenny, if I go through the math, I don't know which is better, which makes me think this is not random. Because if you if you go to the surgical center and you and you save the two two grand, now you still have your whole deductible. If something else happens, right? So they've actually got you know a toss up. I don't think that's random. That somehow they don't know what the hell they're doing. And also, I'm not sure. There's always the uh, the gross bill, should we say, from the hospital. Then there's yeah. the there, then there's the insurance side. How do we know that they're not charging him or you or me? 15% of the gross and then they're paying the other bill and they're not even really paying anything. Well, you don't, right? I mean, I, I, I guess you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Well, that that kind of sucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It does kind of suck, but I think that's kind of the way that it, 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 that it is built at the moment, right? Well, yeah. Some, uh, there needs to be some uh, uh, coming to Jesus kind of kind of uh, 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 rediscovery or, or or kind of the way they they uh, uh, they charge right that they're going to charge they're going to charge clients they're going to charge patients they're going to charge uh, healthcare whatever the insurances whatever because right? I think it's completely completely screwed up I, but I think it's uh, when we talk these are these are felonies Kenny these aren't just yeah. oopsies no, I hear you, but they're too busy. They're, they're but they're not paying attention to that. They're too busy going after, you know, they're busy, too busy going after Trump, causing him, calling him, uh, you know, bringing up all these fraud charges. Meanwhile, they should be focusing on the stuff that's really impacting, uh, impacting the economy and impacting kind of these different industries that are taking complete advantage. Well, the guys here spent two years going after Blagojevich, and he never got a dime. I don't like Blagojevich, but. It's kind of yeah. wasted, I thought. What's he doing these days, by the way? He's out now, right? Yeah, well, yeah he's out. He's still he's my uh, one of the guys here in the office. Uh, lives right near him. Sees him jogging all the time. Still lives in the same house. His wife didn't dump him. She waited for him. But what's he doing? He's probably some kind of a consultant someplace. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He still knows a lot of people. But he's not yeah, in politics yeah. or anything. Yeah. Hey, what do you make of this uh, what, market? What do you think of... Uh, Capital One buying Discovery. We're not, be, be well, I, listen, I think that's going to be you, you know and that news just came out, so you know it's all hitting the tape now as we kind of uh, as we kind of uh, digest all that news and kind of and see what impact does. It's a huge deal for sure, um, and it's going to put them. I think. Well, I think the the initial reaction is going to put them uh, on par with uh, American Express in terms of uh, in terms of opportunities, right? Where the where uh, uh, clients and investors are going to find opportunity, but uh, I want to see how that story unfolds as uh, as the day goes on. Because, like I said, the news came out late last night, so we're just going through it now. But uh, look, I, I I I'm not sure whether the when it comes to antitrust, whether they're going to allow it to happen or not. That's still up in the air. They didn't think this deal was going to come together until a year from now. By the time it was all said and done, um, and so it might hit some snags along the way. But at the moment, you know. 
uh, uh, discovers up fifteen dollars based on the bid that they yeah. made. Uh, Capital One's down about seven. Uh, that makes perfect sense. That you know, Capital One's the one taking it over, so they'll 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 come under a little bit of pressure. What's interesting, I found out. But it's like it's like one point one point one share for the yeah, other. Yeah, one point one share of Capital One for every share of Discover that you own, right? Um, I, I think that's the headline that I saw. But what's interesting, it's the same for. It's, it's Vanguard, BlackRock, Capital, and uh, State Street are the four biggest holders of, of, uh, of Discover. They're also the four biggest holders of Capital One Financial. So they're going to lose $7 on one side of the trade, but they're making $15 on the other side of the oh trade. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> why, why, why exactly, since you know all this stuff, why is Walmart buying a, a TV manufacturer? I have no... I just saw that headline. I, they said they want to increase their ad revenues. I'm sitting there scratching my head going, but... I, right before you came out, I said, what's this got to do with ad revenue? <laughs> it's got, exactly. I'm sitting there. I read the headline. I haven't read the story yet because I was waiting to talk to you, but I'm thinking to myself, I don't understand how buying the TV manufacturer is going to increase their ad revenues unless all they do is, is sacks on Vizio, and they don't know else put an ad on there. It doesn't, it doesn't, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of Maybe sense. Maybe every time you buy a Vizio TV, whenever you turn it on, you see a big Walmart sign. Exactly right. I mean, I, 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 maybe. I, what else are you going to do? I guess we'll, we'll learn more about that, too, because that news just came out when Walmart, uh, when Walmart announced. And look, Walmart announces they beat on the top line, they beat on revenues, that there's good forward guidance, the e-commerce sales were just soaring, and they take, you know, the, the, the stock is down. They did the same at Home Depot. They beat on both the top and bottom. Okay, same store sales were, uh, maybe you could find something wrong in same store sales, but they're taking that stock down well. Wait till tomorrow when NVIDIA comes out, right? That stock is priced to perfection. It's up 46% in seven weeks. Even if they announce, blow the roof off, blow the doors off, do you think that you think the stock is going to go down or up? It's got to go down. I, I, I'm going to say that I'm with you. My head, my head is with you, my son. Um, yeah. But I'm going to say that guy's going to come out with some some well, some layer of BS, and the stock will be 900 bucks. I mean, I'll okay, sit there and go. So if he if, if he announces something that the market completely didn't see or didn't know or wasn't focused on, then yes, I would agree with you. I just don't see how he's going to do that. I uh, I, mean, I don't know why I, I shouldn't why I shouldn't even lob this one out there, but some listeners have sent me you know podcasts. Other podcasts all over the damn place, right? But um, I've heard from about eight different people now that, that yeah. everybody's convinced that these guys are are packing their own supply chain that they're they're loaning money to people to to order up these chips. I, you know, that's happened before. It happened with, remember, uh, God, who were the guys in Colorado that did that? And Miniscribe did that. I mean, this is not new, but I can't believe they're actually, that would be horrible if they did. I mean, that'd be something. Kenny, I, I mean, I, have you heard any of that? I, I did not hear any of that. No, I have not. I mean, I'm saying, I'm sure they're just, let's put it this way, I hope they're just funky rumors running around. But, yeah, well, I mean, they may be. Look, I, I fully expect that NVIDIA is going to absolutely, you know, everything they say is going to be positive. I just don't see, after what the stock did last year, after it's up 46% in seven weeks, that there's not going to be, uh, there's not going to be uh, some profit taking tomorrow. Are, are you, are you? As well as the large asset managers. Listen, these large asset managers that own millions and millions of shares, they're going to peel some off and trade it and sell some, take some profits, make some money, but they're going to maintain the core position. No one's blown out of NVIDIA anytime soon. I'm curious if they're going to announce a stock split tomorrow because 
it's now $200 above where it was the last time they announced a stock split. Four for one, I think it was. Are you um, trying to are you trying to inject some some semblance of logic and value into a stock no, price? No, no. I'm just saying that might catch people off guard. But you know, even a stock split doesn't really change anything. It's still that you still own the same amount of stock, but it's just the idea that they're going to split the stock causes a lot of excitement in the markets, right? Um, there used to be people, Kenny. See. You know this. There used to be people that all they did was troll. There yeah. were there were company, well, not companies, groups of people. You yeah. know, people like you and me, and we'd get together and we. All we, we we would have newsletter people buying our stuff because yeah. we would predict stock splits. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a big game. Yeah, then. but now I think that game uh, that game I think is over. I think the the technology just like technology anyway, made it more efficient. So I think a lot of that a lot of that juice that used to be in that game is over. Well, the when I was in grad school, and let's not go into how far, how long ago that was, the University of Chicago did a big study on did stock splits help stock prices. Now in those days, I mean, you and I could actually sit there and go, they might have uh, increased stock prices because if you if you traded an odd lot, less than 100 shares, you yeah. pay you paid more for the odd lot. Like if it was an eighth a quarter, you paid you paid three A's, right, to start yeah. with. And oh, by the way, uh, they charge you more commission, like a lot more for, for 80 shares than 100, which is crazy, but they did. So you could make the case that maybe um, it was better if the stocks they wanted stocks to be the the, the prime spot was what like forty bucks forty forty five because then everybody could sort of put it in there you know it was easy to put in your basket and that kind of stuff and yeah. but anyway the University of Chicago did this big study on this stuff it did did the announcements of stock splits or was it good or bad and guess what they came up with what totally indeterminate you couldn't do it because every single announcement. That forced the stocks to go up was somebody would say, "We're splitting the stock," and oh by the way, we're increasing the dividend, or, and or oh by the way, the profits sucked, <laughs> so maybe it would go down with the stock. So there, there was always something else they could never identify, just the stock split and no other piece of information in the announcement. Right. So they they basically said we have no idea. Right. Right. Did you see? Um did you see, speaking of stock splits and stuff like that, did you see the news in Walmart, too? They're also raising their dividend by 9%, Yeah. Uh, right? Which is which is a positive, yet they're still taking money out of the name because, again, they've rallied the name up. Hey, I got, I got the stock up four bucks. What are you looking at? I got it up four bucks. Well, well, when it first came well, out, may have, may have flipped around. Yeah. When it first came out, it was down. It came under pressure down about 3%. Now, I haven't seen it since you and I have been talking, so maybe it's, yeah, it's up 3%. turned around as they, yeah, as they start to digest the... Uh, uh, the actual news they go through it and they start to read you know each individual line item to see what the deal is Kenny do you but, think uh, we got a dash here in a minute but do you think it's a loaded question because I'm, I'm, like I said I've been talking about a, a, a little lecture I'm going to give to a bunch of younger people on antitrust do you think that these guys within reason not crazy if we go into some huge recession or something which I hope we don't do you think within reason these big companies have the ability no matter if I say no matter what, if all of a sudden the traffic goes down four, five, eight, ten percent, they can just make up for it with raising, raising prices because they, they they have they just because they can. The Home Depot, I think they have that power actually. Uh, I don't know about Walmart because they have maybe a little. And, and I look about Chicago. I mean, no, nobody's going to leave a Walmart and go somewhere else to save a dollar on some flour. 
Which yeah, is- but I don't. Yeah, but I don't think at the moment. I'm not so sure that Home Depot has the ability to keep raising prices. I just don't think they do. I, I think the, t- the consumer is getting tired, and I think at Walmart, part of the. St- I want to just go read through. You know, a lot of the people that are going to Walmart are going for the food shopping right now. There's no. Food, food's a lost leader at Walmart, right? But um, I, I think people are really starting to pull back. So uh, I'm not so sure that the ability to raise prices is 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 as robust as it was, you know. A year well, ago. I don't think it was. I don't think it is either. But I'm saying it, the even. You know, I, I haven't done any construction stuff in a while. But I'm, come spring, we have a bunch of stuff to do. But um, you go in and I, when you saw lumber prices run way up, and then all of a sudden the wholesale yeah. lumber prices came way down. I don't think the prices came that far down at Home Depot. I mean, they came down some. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd have to go it's really, it's really hard. I think they did come down some. I just don't yeah. think they came down substantially. Plus, I you know, if you went to uh, tile your kitchen, you can get lost leaders on tile everywhere. Try and yeah. get the grout. Try and, get, try and get the glue. All that stuff is to the moon. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I guess the honest question is, can, is we don't know, but I have a feeling... I have uh, stuff going back probably ten years, but you know what's weird? Weird about this world? A lot of things. You after <laughs> after like six months, the receipts from like two years ago, you can't read them. Is that, is that done on purpose? Well, you mean they just fade? Yeah. The, the print on the yeah. the paper just fades. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just cheap ink. Well, Maddie Weber yeah. said that actually, you, you, it costs a lot more to have some that don't fade, so nobody nobody does that. But I mean, right. but I mean, I, what I said was within reason. I think they could raise prices one or two percent to cover that much, or maybe as much as three or four. I agree with you. They can't go twenty anymore. Right. But I. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I don't think they can at all. But I mean, there are areas where the only place there is the Walmart, or the only place there is the Home Depot. I mean, I mean, I'm, we're, I mean, I'm sort of spoiled in Chicago. There, in Illinois, there is. There is a Menards. Otherwise, the rest of the country is what? It's Lowe's and, uh, and Home Depot. Low, Lowe's and Home Depot. Yeah, it is Lowe's and Home Depot. I haven't been. I haven't been to Home Depot in a while. I just my sense is just from just from you know living here, living kind of in the in the in the world in the economy. As I think they're running out of they're running out of that ability to keep raising prices. I just don't. I, I don't see it. Well, surely it was not like it was three years ago. I mean, three years ago. No, they, absolutely they, not yeah. like it was three years ago. Oh, I I I don't disagree with that at all. So. You guys have had good weather down there. A lot of people here were down there. Matter of fact, Ryan was down there. Rainy weather all weekend. It was lousy, although today the sky is completely blue. It's absolutely spectacular. You should see the picture I posted on the sunrise on Palm Beach this morning. It was absolutely breathtaking. Were you one of the drowned rats up at Daytona? No, I was not up in Daytona. But, you know, they they delayed that race because of the rain, and then then it went off yesterday later afternoon, but I was not up there, no. They got a huge pileup with five five things to yeah, go. Yeah, I know. Did you see that? I don't know how these guys don't get killed in those pileups. They're going they're going 150 miles an hour and they don't get killed. Meanwhile, you can go you can go 20 miles an hour down here on military and and and, and somebody hits you. You know, you're in intensive care. Well, the car is kind of made for that. Old. Yeah. Did you hear what yeah. the uh, <laughs> you hear what the one driver said? It was in the crash. What? Something about yeah, this this business everything's going really good, and then all of a sudden it sucks. It, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I I was watching it this morning. They had it on the on the news. I was watching the actual the crash, the way uh, you know the way it happened. Thinking to myself, geez, how do these guys get out? How do they walk away from that? Well, sometimes they don't. I was there watching Dale with yeah, Dale so, Hartman. Right. Uh, yeah. 
you know. Anyway, Kenny, thank you very much, buddy. Um, All right, I'll talk to you. Yep, SP Futures down 16. Nasdaq Futures down 75. Be right back, Professor Helsner. up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Well, North Bay Stocks and Jacks. I'm talking about Ryan on the board. SP Futures down 15. NASDAQ Futures down 68. Do we have the professor? Hey, good morning, Tom. How are you, buddy? Uh, doing pretty well. The kids are off uh, this week. Another week-long vacation. Um, Sure seems like uh, they go to school less late than we used to. <laughs> no, it seems like every week. Yeah. Last week they had a half day on Monday. They had Tuesday off because this uh, incredible snowstorm was going to dump. 20 inches of snow in New York City, and we end up getting about an inch of slushy snow. Yeah. yeah. But and all the holidays, all the holidays that are here in New York State, it's unreal. When our our, our son went to um, PS217 back when my wife was trying to go to, go to law school, um, I think he had like every other week he had like two or three days off because of some holiday. I, th- I think he was off more than he was on. During a, a given month, of that that semester was crazy. Well, we used to uh, when my uh, nephews and niece were still in like high school and in, uh, in in grammar school, we would go, we would buzz out skiing. We'd drive out skiing not every year, but just about every year uh, to Steamboat. And uh, Illinois had would would actually get off the Monday, which was Casimir Pulaski Day, <laughs> because Illinois has a lot of people. Uh, probably don't know, but uh, Chicago had the had the biggest Polish Catholic Polish population of any city in the world except Warsaw. Wow! And uh, 
and that Illinois was a was a big deal for that. And uh, <laughs> so we they got Casimir Pulaski. I don't know if they still do. They probably don't. But it's a team. I, mean, I would say that we had we had no snow days when I was in grammar school, and the only snow days we had when I was in high school was the '67 storm, where the entire city was. You know, no buses went. It was possible to get anywhere for like two days. Yeah. Was the only, we got well, like two days off the whole time. When Idaho Falls, um, I remember my cousins going to high school and I was stationed there in the Navy uh, at, at a nuclear power plant there um, at a training facility. I remember my cousins on a snow day would, uh, when, when it snowed a lot, they would just go to school on their snow machines. <laughs> God. Well, why not? I mean, you know. the uh... And they're in their shorts, too. I mean, only in Idaho would you drive to school on a snow machine in your shorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, South Bend always had crummy weather, but we never had a we never had a day off at Notre Dame either. Then now they have since then, I think. You know, but yeah, it, it's amazing how much time kids get off now. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know. So what? Uh, I have uh, I'm, I'm intrigued now because uh, Kevin wants me to talk to his class regarding business and, and antitrust, and I was just gonna. Start all the way in the beginning because I don't think anybody even knows what that even means anymore. Do you? Oh, I, I don't think I, I don't think the government's interested in it at all. And I mean, I think the only uh, monopolies they want to take down are the ones that, that uh, counter, go counter to uh, their narrative. So I, I don't think the federal government has any interest. I mean, if you play ball, you can have your monopoly. Well, if you if you do it right, as, yeah. as Milton Friedman once said, well, once said he said a lot that. You need the government if you really want to be a monopoly forever. You need the government to make you one. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I well, they have, they have, they have in the well, they surely have in utilities. Yeah. I mean, it didn't didn't have to they be have, that they way. Have the public school system, you know. Yeah, and uh, well, and, and it's it, worse. It, it's that that monopoly is so bad for inner city kids, people, kids of color, because they have no they have no choice. They have to go to the the government school. Out in the suburbs, you know, you know, people are a little wealthier. Where they can afford, you know, a private school tuition, um, they have choice. But, but the inner cities have no choice. Well, and for that I, reason, the schools do not have to be um, accountable to the parents at all. Well, and in, in, uh, it's not like that anymore because it obviously costs a lot. But when when I was growing up, the the Catholic school system was a huge counter. Yeah, I mean, we, there was a at least a Catholic school every square mile in the city. Yeah, I think that was the case here in New York too. But man, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's an intentional persecution, but it seems like a lot of Catholic schools um, that once existed don't no longer exist. It's Same thing here. Yeah. Well, a lot of it had to do with uh, you know just you know change, changing times. How much you have to pay teachers? What- I think it has something to do with the fact that you know all these Republicans talk about how we have to have like you know vouchers. That's that's not enough. You you can't just have vouchers. the The problem with a private school education is the state mandating curriculum. That's the problem, and the state, you know, mandating licensing. So if if you if you want to send your kid to something other than a government school, you might end up having to send them to a school where the state still exerts a lot of regulation over the curriculum and the people who are going. to Well, I mean, that. if you're gonna if you're gonna pay for it. Yeah. You're going to want some sort of standards. Yeah, I mean, you and I would want standards too. You can't. Just, well, you know, I think the market will. If you're if you're a private school and you're doing a horrible job, nobody's going to choose your services. But if you're if you're a private school that's doing a great job, there's no need for 
Steve well, in, in Canada, I, I believe this was the case because I went uh, half of my first grade. I went and went to Canada. I, when my mom remarried, my stepfather had a job in Toronto, and he looked for a job here. But we had to go. Up, we moved up there for six months while he maybe it was five months, whatever. But uh, and we ended up uh, before he found a job back here because my mom wanted to live in Chicago, and uh, it's her family and his family for that matter. So we were up there for a while. We went to a Catholic school that had just opened. But I think in Canada, there's there's a, essentially a check, like there is here. I mean, if we're, depending on what public school you go to, there's a check that follows you to wherever that school is. Yeah. And uh, and th- if you went to a Catholic school or a Lutheran school or whatever it was, that they did the same education, which might have been even better. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. And uh, that check followed you there. I mean, it was really very simple. We're, we're paying for education. We're not paying for the school union. We're not paying for exclusion. We're we're paying for education. And if somebody provides it, your share of that education follows you to wherever that is. Which yeah, to we me, do that in America. We, uh, which, which to me makes utmost yeah. sense. But, I mean, uh, Catholic, they have it in Sweden. Well, Catholic Sweden school, they have we about went 50% to, private schools and 50% public schools. And, yeah, I mean, it, so. And, and the check follows the kid. It isn't uh, go to the school district. Right. And so, my, I mean, I, when I was, uh, the Catholic schools, though, were so lean, Al, so lean. Yeah. Uh, when I say that. Well, they have to be. Yeah, because we had, I say this all the time, we had four four classes per grade with, you know, 40 to 45 people per class. This is in a square mile, and part of it was a golf course. I mean, Irish people are good at something, shall we say. Uh, we had a lot of kids. <laughs> but I'm, I'll bet it was half nuns, and they didn't make squat. And the, the other rest were, there wasn't any, well, the guy was a music teacher. Uh, all the rest were, were ladies. Almost all of them lived in the neighborhood and walked back and forth so they didn't need a second car. The kids were in school, and they went home, you know, for lunch with the kids. So yeah. it was, the overhead was non-existent. There, were, there was 34 direct employees and five indirect. So can you imagine that today? Well, the indirect is way more than the direct. At every school. I know, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, so you're you're overhead. But I actually talked to the mayor, the then mayor of Chicago, Richard Daly. And I said, Mayor, how much? These Catholic schools are starting to close all over the place. He goes, How much per year would it take to keep these schools open? He goes, Maybe five hundred a student, maybe not even that much. That's how close they are. Hmm. We we can't even give them that. You know, when when the the uh, the pu- the public schools, the high schools here in Chicago, if you land at Walter Payton or Morgan Park or whatever it is, I think it's like 21 grand now that follows you to the school if that's for the st- and that doesn't include maybe it's 17, 18, that doesn't include the, the money on the building, that just follows the student for the, yeah. for the education, and if that number was 10 at a, at, a, at a private school, they'd all be open yeah, because they're more efficient to start with, yeah, well they have to be yeah they're disciplined by the state. I mean, one of my uh, by the competition. One of my buddies is on the they, board. They have, they have, they have to go up against the state, which is subsidized. Yeah, well, I mean, one of my so buddies is uh, a big shot on the board of one of it's a very famous men's Catholic school here, great football team. He's on the board there. He says it actually costs them like seventeen, and their tuition is like fourteen. So, by cost by by costing seventeen means they're they're at least four grand more efficient than the public schools, plus the building. So they're they're yeah. they're on a variable cost. They're they're more they're twenty percent more efficient, 
and then it, then the fixed cost, but they have people that have donated money and they have a kind of an endowment, you know, and they have people that don't pay that they want to let in too. So, I mean, it's it's a real struggle to keep those places open. Where if the state were to give them, you know, five grand, which is a quarter of what they're giving the other kids, all of a sudden they'd be okay. Yeah. But, we, but we can't even we can't even do that. You know, I mean, it's well, you know, of course they're not going to do that. Right. right? Because the uh, unions are very powerful, and the unions don't want competition. Well, right. So, I mean, so if you have, what well, at one point the Catholic schools were, I don't know if they ever were as big as the Chicago system, but they were, uh, I'm going to say, 70 percent as big. So well, you you had, you know, a, a third of the kids in the city, going paying somewhere else, yet their families are paying into the same pot for the other two thirds. Which is, when you think about it, money-wise, is really screwed up. If you, if you if you if you go back and say, okay, well we're separating church and state. All right, cut back some of it for the religion classes, but the, but a math class is the same. Last time I checked, maybe not. Yeah. So, I mean, these are kind of issues. We we talk about this antitrust. I don't, I don't, I don't think if you have uh, in your class, if you went in tomorrow and you said. Uh, here's Hal's hot dog stand. And here's a Chiefs hot dog stand, and they're they're competing. All of a sudden, uh, Hal says, "Well, you know what? This let me let me buy a I'll buy a chunk. I'll buy the Chief out." And all of a sudden, the prices go up. I'm going to say 90% of your class says that's just good business. They don't have any idea that that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah. Do, I mean, I'm asking you. You're you're one of those people. Do they have any idea well, what the stuff even is? I, I think I think I take it one step further, right? Um, I take it one step further and say, yeah, suppose uh, this one firm, I can always call it Firm M or Monopoly. Firm M buys out, you know, four competitors, and now there's a monopoly. Well, uh, in the short run, that might be a problem because that one firm has, you know, uh, these nice margins. And because that the owner of the firm will do like Scott in Flipping Vegas. There's a TV show called Flipping Vegas on AMC, I think. Um he drives around like a customized Lamborghini. I go, this the owner of Firm M is gonna be driving around in a customized. A, a regular, regular old Lamborghini is that good enough? You got a customized? Yeah, he had a customized. Yeah, <laughs> with green like brake calipers. Um, I remember the green calipers. But yeah, he drives around the neighborhoods of Vegas and like all kinds of competition, right? So the owner of Firm M drives around in this you know Lamborghini and invites competition, and and people will notice, hey, what, why is this guy driving around a Lamborghini? He must have incredible margins in his business. Let's find out what he does. And they find out that he owns a bunch of hot dog stands. So they jump in the market, right? So successful will invite competition, right? But that's where the state is important, right? So if you have this monopolist who's been able, you know, successfully to create a monopoly, they can lobby government regulations, right? Oh, yeah, I, I sure. I think this is going on with ExxonMobil and the other large members of the oil cartel. We, I mean, we're, we're diving into this a couple of weeks ago where we think that they're dictating energy policy because you see that with crude oil production, right? Crude oil production is on the same trend line, not on the same trend line, but it's parallel to the trend line pre-COVID. Uh, Trump, Obama, right? Why? Well, because maybe they really run the, the policy. And what, what do they do? They have these billion-dollar investments in these oil rigs in the ocean. And over time, what happens is it becomes more costly uh, to pump the oil out of those pools that are 
maybe half full now, right? So what do you have to do? You have to lobby government for quote unquote health regulations or environmental regulations. Why? Because you want to limit the number of people who can jump in this market so that the supply stays relatively restricted, which means these billion dollar uh, wells, these rigs are still profitable. If it was an open market, a free market, then people would be jumping in and pushing that 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 marginal barrel cost, right? They'd be pushing that that marginal barrel, the price of that marginal barrel down, and these billion dollar investments would be no longer profitable. They'd have to shut down the rigs. I so, would. Uh, yes, that, that's what happens. I I, mean, I'm I'm always surprised. Hell, um, when people used to do this when I was in school, whenever they talked about monopolies, they always talked about big oil, and yeah. and I I'm I just. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a fan of these people. I mean, don't, don't get, I mean, it's not like I got a whole bunch of Exxon stock or anything. Yeah. I, I don't even put that industry anywhere near in the same class of concentration as like a regular pharma. utility or pharma or something like that. I yeah. mean, there, there's 21 countries around the world that export oil. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's. But I think in the United States they work kind of as a cartel, right? Well, they, 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 they try, but the the big guys, uh, they totally missed. I won't say totally. They somewhat missed the boat on this fracking. They yeah. weren't involved in that to any large extent. And I, I think what has happened, uh, and again, I'm not patting these guys on the back, but oil here at 75 bucks. I don't think 10 years ago that fracking was all that profitable at 75 bucks. But all I'm reading now is down in Texas, they've got whatever how many sideways, how much far you can go sideways you don't have to dig another well from the same well you have. And how it's it's like hundred not a hundred percent but you know way more efficient than it was ten years ago. All of a sudden, these guys' bottom line on on the uh, their production cost is going down, not up. Well, yeah, that's that's what competition and, and yeah uh, innovation. That's what happens. You you innovate. You 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 know if you're a young uh, new company and and you want to get into this game, you got to come up with really creative ways to get at that stuff, right? And so it's in the interest of these big uh, organizations. Maybe they're behind part of the you know environmental push, right? Because they see this new technology that they were late on. They see this new source of energy that they're late on. And maybe what they're doing, what they're doing is they're trying to keep their current existing rigs uh, profitable. And the only way you can do that is by encouraging government to. Uh, uh, regulate their industry more. Right? I, 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 just think, I think this this oil thing is. I mean, you look at what happened. It, it's taken years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at OPEC, right? And I remember, well, I was still in school, and Milton Friedman said, you know, all these guys are going to do is cheat. I mean, granted, they they were able to control the market for quite a while. They still think they do, but they really don't. Um, yeah. And when I say they don't, it's if you're a monopolist or a cartel like those guys were, if you're Saudi Arabia and you produce 20% of the world's oil, if you cut back on 10%, the price is going to go up more than 10% because you're ahead of the game. I don't think they have that power anymore. But they, well, I don't think they do either because I think technology... Right. They're, they're using all kinds of like um, technology to find oil pools under the ground. But they're I'm saying with that... It, sound waves off the... the into the ground, and they're finding these. Uh, they don't have to pull coals anymore. Right? Uh, but, but you're, but you're, well, you still do that. But I mean, it yeah. depends on where you are. But yeah. the uh, I used to, 
Yeah, whenever, uh, you know, weird part is how I've learned something about that industry. First of all, we had a bunch of clients here when these guys, are, when we first started, they were in that industry, and they would send us stuff all the time, and I'd read it. It, it is so diverse, Yeah, the industry, in the sense that there's areas where you can dig and find natural gas or oil 90% of the time. So the return on that stuff is not so much. Yet there's other areas where maybe it's a new well. It's an area that looks like it could have oil. Well, now all of a sudden the investment there, if you strike something, is a whole lot different. You make a lot more money, but the chances of making it are a lot less. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is absolutely a fascinating industry. Well, I think that's the reason why you, they have to lobby government for... Well, yeah, but some of it is... slow that down. Well, they, they, they want to use government lands. They want to they have room... I mean, if you have an oil well... Matter of fact, the thing that I followed this one for a few years, these guys had a... Had a uh, I think... It, I'm not sure if it was in Alaska or Northwest somewhere. I think it was in Alaska. They had a... They, they found an area they thought had a bunch of oil, and it originally was... I think hell was Standard Oil, Indiana. So we're going how far back with that? Mm-hmm. This is like in the fifties. They found this thing, and they just sat on it for like a decade, and well, they sold it to somebody. But there was no, there was no road near it. There was no pipeline near it. There was no railroad near it. All of a sudden, one day, somebody decided to put a road near it, and they started doing something like thirty years after, you know, after they knew there, they thought there was oil there. Well, I think the key is they don't want to, they don't want to cannibalize other. Uh, wells sales, right? So well, but they don't. They, they, they want to kind of sit on it, right? They want to kind of sit on it, hoping that maybe the government will come in and subsidize the road building to it, right? Yeah, but they, but they, 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 they don't, they don't. want to tap it immediately. Well, they they might decide to put an interstate near you. That would be the yeah. the holy grail. But, it, but they're, they don't. they're probably lobbying for something like that, right? If they what? if they know they had this big oil pool and there's currently no road there, they're not going to spend the money. To we put have the a. Road. They're gonna they're gonna hope the government will. Spend the money and pass the cost off onto the the taxpayer, right? Well, I've, I've not, I think I think they have to run the clock out. I mean, it's like kind of like the you know Goldman Sachs. But I'm saying when you the, 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 the industry, the, the the disagreement we're having is that um, when you keep saying I don't think it's a disagreement. Well, when you keep saying like they, what I'm saying is there is no they there because yeah. there's a, there's a million different players in the game. It, yeah. I'm going to say that. Well, there's uh, a few big players, right? right? But about of all the, the but every single well is different. Every single yeah. spot is different. Every yeah. one has its own break even, and how many, how much water do we pump in here to get the extra barrel? Every one of them is is a study for your class, and yeah. there's got to be a million of them around the world. It's well, well, my point is though, Tom, you kind of have to slow the, you have to slow it out so you can run the clock out on your current wells, right? Right, you but but it's but it's not it's in. not Pfizer. What I'm saying it's not even close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, hell, you drive to Colorado, you go you go through uh, Nebraska, you see those little, I call them bump bump oils. Wells, the yeah. little ones where the. You see them in Utah, too. The little thing that goes up and down, it looks like the world's crummiest, and there's a big, there's a there's a 50 gallon barrel, or 50 barrel, you know, bunch of barrels next to it. What does a guy go out there and, and empty them like once a month or once a week or something? <laughs> I mean, you know, well, they, pro- they probably get turned off when oil prices get too low. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, do they even. Some of them look like they have a little, you know, solar collector there to run the damn thing or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But, especially in the uh, in the the Carbon Canyon area of Utah, you go through that Carbon Canyon area of Utah on the way to Moab, and you drive along the, the interstate there, the highways, and you'll see about uh, I don't know, it might be twenty feet thick or maybe ten feet thick, depending on how far away you are from the the mountain. But just a big strip of coal, black coal. Oh yeah, right out of the mountain. It just all along that highway, right? And along that highway, you see 
a bunch of those oil rigs, you know, just pumping away. Well, the uh, we had a, uh, um, a a lady who, um, well, I, I hope she's still alive. She came to Chicago years ago, and she was a nurse. And somehow or another, she bumped into Dr. J and I on the score. And it, it was an avid listener on the par- podcast, and hopefully she's still listening, but I haven't heard from her in a decade. But her, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, you drive through there, you got, you know, all you see are these mountaintops, right? Then you'll see yeah. a river and some, some little town, like, stuck in next to the river with, like, a, with a steel mill, right? I mean, it basically was Pennsylvania. And so her husband and his gang. And a football team. Oh, yeah, and a football. Oh, yeah, I got a high school. (laughs) But her her, her husband and his gang owned one of these mountaintops, and they would have a lodge up there, and it was, what she used to say, was like testosterone heaven when, like, he brought the 14-year-old up there and he shot his first deer, you know, uh, or something. And and she she had none of the women ever went up there um, that she knew of. (laughs) Anyway, but uh, all of a sudden, like four or five families like own this land. I don't you know, but it, what it wasn't even mean by owning it. I mean, it's a, it's a mountaintop with nothing but trees on it. So all of a sudden, this oil company. There was a fascinating when when this fracking got really big. I'm going to say 10, 15 years ago. All of a sudden, everybody was going to do it. It was going to go into Ohio, Southern Illinois. There's a map when oil got to 100 dollars a barrel that one time. All of a sudden, all these places they all became purple. They were fighting in the Southern Illinois like you wouldn't believe. Who's going to pay for the bridges having to be having to be made stronger so they could bring all this equipment over the bridges without falling in the river or that kind of crap? And all of a sudden, the price went back down. They all disappeared. I don't think there yeah. was ever any fracking in, in uh, northeast, northwest, northeast Ohio or southern Illinois. Anyway, so they, they get a small company, hits these guys up, and they say, we're going to give you like a quarter million dollars just for the right to do fracking here over the next like five years. And by the way, if we don't start... Just keep the dough, but yeah. we're gonna, we're going to have to put. They they actually put pipelines on on the on the ground. They're they're flexible. And they get other people along the way to rent them their property so the pipeline can run to wherever the road is, and then, so they can dump it in the tankers or the river railroad thing is. So, and they had to put a road up there that was going to cost them like a million or two. And when they left, they were going to have to make the road back to be in trees again. You know, plant all the trees where the road used to be. So all of a sudden, after they get within like a month where they were going to forfeit the project, and all of a sudden they go, we're starting. So they, they hmm. dug the road out. It cost them God knows what. Well, price go back down again. I don't think they ever, I don't think they ever even drilled. You know? Yeah. And all of a sudden they're gone. Now, where do they put the road back in? I guess I haven't heard from them. These guys got the dough. <laughs> they got a road. Yeah. And, it, it, and the company never never got gallon one out of the place. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, you know, they're they're probably doing a, a bunch of net present value calculations that I talk to my students about, right? Yeah. I got this project A, I got project B, I got project C. Um, what should we do, right? So they calculate these net present values of these different various projects under a lot of different assumptions, and they go, all right, let's do, let's do this. Let's kind of like do project A, which is, well, we'll secure the rights, uh, but we won't build anything uh, just in case gas prices go down, right? Right. So they got all these different scenarios. You know, I, I can actually see uh, ExxonMobil or OPEC or whoever, uh, you know, pulling the strings behind the scenes. I can yeah, actually but see But none of those guys, Exxon, yeah. again, more, more Tommy Shannon used to come out, he was more of an expert on this than I am. Because yeah. that's why he thought Exxon was was a horse bleep investment compared to Chevron. Because yeah. every year yeah. Exxon would say, we sold a million barrels of oil. You know, it's not the right number, but but we are only our, our reserves only increased by like 900,000. Chevron always managed to whoever much they sold 
they managed to get the reserves to increase like the same amount. Exxon, according to him, was was a degrading company. Well, well, I, but I can see them going like you know maybe we need to release a little more supply this particular month. To, well, well, yeah. But put these little operations, you know, they're they're popping up everywhere. We got to put them out. Of, well, some, some run them out, right? We got to run out the clock on them. We got to had to break here, but sometimes the choke points the refinery. Yeah. Some sometimes it's the gas stations, which very very often. Sometimes yeah. it's supply from someplace. But now I, I think where we are in, in our stuff here in uh, in this country, I even though everybody blames Biden for having no no oil, it's going up pretty fast. I don't yeah. I don't think we're anywhere near as susceptible to the Saudis or the Russians on this oil as we were five years ago. Do you? Yeah, I don't think we are. But I think I think in general these companies they have these big investments. They got to run the clock out on the, some of these well, sure. projects. Well, not yeah. to mention, in fact, we're still using it for guys. Yeah. SP Futures down 18, the SP Futures down 79, Walmart's now up 684, so the more people read this stuff, the more they like it. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Lone Oak Bear, Stash and Jackson, halftime out. Uh, good good music. Uh, SP Futures down 20, and SP Futures 86. The market keeps slipping south as Walmart keeps slipping up. It's now up 760. Uh, so, Ryan, you think uh, you think Hal is searching for a heart of gold? <laughs> That's entirely possible, Tom. <laughs> entirely yeah, possible. I love, I love Neil, man. I love oh, yeah. Neil. Oh, oh yeah. He's a good, good, good songwriter. Holy smokes. Oh, well, my, my, my buddies, my how long ago was this? They claim that the... the I used to love going to a concert. I, mean, I, I always think the venue is a big part of concerts. I, mean, I didn't go to that many, but some of my buddies from college went to absolutely everything they could find. I mean, my, a couple of guys were sneaking out of their house when they were 16 to go to the ones in California in the 60s and so forth. And um, <clears throat> I always thought the Auditorium Theater here in Chicago was uh, the best venue I've ever been to for a concert. But oh, you got to go to George Washington. Well, yeah, Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam over the gorge. Oh man, woo! Well, I mean, there was some, but I mean, some of the stuff like the audit or the amphitheater and some of these stadiums are terrible. I mean, well, in terms of uh, the best ones are the outdoor ones, Red Rock, uh, the Gorge in Washington State. Oh man, beautiful. Well, I mean, the auditorium was designed for. I think you could sing opera in there unmiked. You know, that's how the acoustics are. Oh yeah, that's well, like the yeah. Mormon uh, Tabernacle. Yeah, they yeah. have that elliptical roof. And it was, it's incredible because you can, uh, because of the way an ellipse is, you have the two foci. Um, you could be speaking on the stage, and you can hear it just as clearly in the back without any amplification at all. That's something. Yeah, it's crazy cool. Well, yeah. evidently, the original, which I didn't go to, the original Crosby, Stills, and Nash concert at the auditorium was supposedly one of the best concerts ever. And they yeah. came back with Neil Young, and most people said it wasn't quite as good. But see, you know, Young, I liked him mean, a lot. Oh, I love them, yeah. I, I saw Pearl Jam, Blind Melon. Uh, well, I, I didn't really see them because I was in the Navy and I had too much excitement in the parking lot. Ah, yeah. And during during Blind Melon set, the first band that uh, played at the Portland Meadows in Portland, Oregon back in the 90s, I jumped in the mosh pit and I was I had a little too many adult beverages. Ah, I yeah, got that could happen. Face kicked. Yeah. I got my face kicked. And I end up bleeding out over everybody. And the next thing I remember is I'm being handcuffed for my safety and put in a police car. Because <laughs> I was bleeding on everybody. Yeah. Well, hey, when you are bleeding. And then I'm 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 playing it cool. The person I'm with, she's kicking this, you know, the plexiglass, calling the police pigs. And I'm like, saying I'm gonna play it cool. They they end up taking me to emergency room to get my chin sewed up. And when I checked in, I couldn't remember my buddy's phone number. And about 30 minutes later, I, I kind of sobered up, and I called him. And right when the doctor was going to sew me up and he called my name, my buddy Rich shows up and gives me a ride back to the concert, right? I missed all the acts, and I'm in the parking lot, and Neil Young and Pearl Jim are playing Rockin' in the Free World, the last God. song of the night. I missed the whole thing. Well, did you ever get sewn up? <laughs> no, I still have the scar on my chin. But you yeah, had to, so eventually got sewn up, or did you just leave? No, I just left. <laughs> I was still probably uh, enjoying my pregame festivities. Oh God! <laughs> but I was I was sober enough to remember the phone number finally. <laughs> this, this this had to be before cell phones. This was before cell phones. Yep, it was uh, probably ninety three, ninety four, August. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um. Everybody has a. A concert story from those those eras. I, mean, I, just, I just go in to buy tickets, guys. You get so totally wound up on God knows what else. Oh man, I tell you when when I when I went to from my first concert, it was Rail, a Northwestern band, 
opening for Night Ranger. And I was in eighth grade. I had no idea who either band was. And my brother Todd couldn't go. So my brother Ryan and my buddy Steve, they're our friend Steve, they show up at my baseball practice. And each one of them tells my baseball coach a different excuse, you know. And so my baseball coach knows something's up. And that night I was relegated to the JV on baseball. God. <laughs> because I went to the concert instead of, you know, I had to go. My mom was in the hospital. My dad had an accident kind of thing right so i was relegated to the jv team for the rest of the semester well, they used to have a i'm sure they still do but they had a milwaukee had this summer fest every year right and when we first started going they had the big midway and all the other stuff they had a main stage which was kind of away from the fest but in the fest all these different beer tents had all this entertainment yeah and, and miller always had the jazz oasis wow that's cool and one night we get there like 5 30 and uh, they had, you know, they had some funky band up there, the Riverboat Ramblers or somebody. So we get like the second picnic table away from the stage. And all of a sudden, we knew the, the lineup. They had uh, the Ramsey Lewis Trio came out, and they were terrific. But guess who played for like two hours? I don't know if you ever, you probably heard of Maynard Ferguson. Hmm. He was he, Mr. Trumpet. They were, they had yeah. the huge, I was, it was, I, I love jazz, and that was, you're sitting there drinking the beers for it costs like five hours to get in. The pitchers are like a buck and a half, and you're sitting there listening. To, <laughs> and you're thirty feet away from Maynard Fur. I mean, talk about music heaven. I, didn't, I mean, how did it yeah. get any better than that? Um, well, my my problem with concerts or you know hanging out with my buddies is I could only always drink maybe one or two beers. Seriously, oh god. Well, my nickname when I was in my twenties was Two Beers, capital T, capital B. Or lightweight, Mister Lightweight. My brother Rod, on the other hand, could you know drink a couple of uh, 12 packs and not and be fine right i'd be blacked out i we mean did. i'd be it's weird alcohol does something weird to my brain <laughs> it does it to everybody it depends on much but it's really weird for me like for example people won't know i'm blacked out because i'm completely functional so i think what alcohol does to my brain is it turns off the thing that <laughs> allows short-term memories so you're a professor memories. yeah it just turns off that thing that converts short-term memories into long-term memories and I'm completely, I'm completely uh, functional, but yet I'm not remembering anything that's going on. Well, it's they crazy. did a when I was at Pullman. There was this well, I went one time. Thank God. Uh, there's a high school down there, and we'll talk about the market here in a second. But called the Bishop Knoll Institute. You can see it from the tollway. And all my guys at Pullman go, "Hey, we got to go to this thing over at Bishop Knoll. They do this every year. It's a, it was a smelt fry. They they fly in all these smelts from Lake Superior." Mm-hmm. And all these barrels of beer, and it was in the cafeteria. Guys, went to get the menu was cheese, smelt, green onions, and rye bread, and tartar huh. sauce. That was it, and beer. You can only imagine, you know. God, uh, so they went through. They went through like fifty-two kegs or something. Wow! But, but all these guys pile out of the steel mill. And I was, you know, at the time I was six four, two ten, maybe pretty big guy. There were guys who came by me. Uh, Hal made me look like a child. There were a couple of guys. That, <laughs> there were a couple of guys that were like six six, big, huge. I mean, it must have been three hundred pounds without an ounce of fat on them. I mean, th- these guys worked in the mills. And, yeah. And they went their beer. They took the pitcher. That was their glass. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we we'd get a pitcher for like eight guys with the plastic cups. These guys, every guy had a pitcher. We were all sitting together <laughs> playing poker. And I'm well, I tell you. One of the funnest times I had was when we were in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, and there was no alcohol. It was a dry country, right? 
and not, not anymore. The, they let they serve you in hotels now, right? Or somewhere. Yeah. Well, at the time they didn't. Yeah. But I remember being pier side with just desert, as far as you can see. And what the Cape Cod did it was a supply ship. They took those big wooden spools of wire, you know, the wooden spools, the yeah. giant ones. They put them up in an area on the desert, right off the pier, as tables. And then you could go there and drink in this beer garden, right off the base, right on the base. You just go in there. It was a dollar a beer, and they had beers, cans of beers, in a bucket of ice. Just cans and cans oh. and cans of beers in a bucket of ice. And they would let you buy them for a dollar a piece. And then you could play your own music. And this is when I was introduced to For Whom the Bell Tolls. I remember a girl on the Cape Cod in her, in her dungarees put in uh, that CD and played For Whom the Bell Tolls. Oh, yeah. And I just thought it was the coolest song of all time. And I still remember her oh, mouth. It was a hell of a book, song. too. It was a hell of a yeah. book. Yeah. Was and aw- movie. Awesome song. Awesome who, song. Who was in the movie? Oh, uh, I don't know, man. I've, Gary, Gary Cooper and uh, Gary what's her Cooper, name? Uh, yeah. What's her name? Lady was in they Casablanca. A, they did a remake of that, I think, in the nineties. It just showed showed you how how gorgeous she was. They shaved her head, and she still looked good. Yeah, Ingrid Bergman. Oh, wow. Hey, all right, back back to the market. Um, we've got a lot of decisions being made. We have, I know we saw the thing on sixty minutes, but we've talked about it on the show a bunch. We're firing off million dollar missiles at ten thousand dollar drones. Uh, you know, it's it's costing. I mean, our guys are effective, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I'm looking at the money part of it uh, we've got we're going to have to find a way to do something with this budget nobody wants to pay a nickel more in taxes but I don't see the largest the big companies are getting away with lasting forever how does that yeah. take prices down that take all this stuff affects the market antitrust affects the market no antitrust they talked in a big article today in CNBC about in the, in the, in the site Article, not an article on TV. If you listen, TV, you listen. Duh. Um, about the seven big, seven big companies now are are bigger than like the entire stock markets of the rest of the world, damn near. Yeah. And, uh, and how ridiculously high they not. And I think some of them are going to go higher. Don't 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 short them because I'm saying this. They are traditionally pretty darn high. I mean, the only the only possible times you even think about valuations of some companies this high. And they're, they're, they're years that will make you, you know, your hair stand up on your back was basically 2000 and 1929. It's the only time we've had this kind of con- con- concentration. Doesn't mean that, that it's going to end the same way this time, or maybe it won't end at all. I mean, considering because it obviously. I don't think it's going to end that way anytime soon because unlike what was going on back then, we're in a different dynamic now. The Fed wants to lower interest rates, it can't. And it can't do that because it's got to print money to pay for these bonds indirectly or directly. It doesn't matter, right? They're buying the bonds directly or indirectly from banks, right? right. They got So these bonds, our, our government has to auction off these bonds to cover trillions of dollars in deficits and interest payments a year. So the Fed's going to be printing money, and I don't think interest rates are coming down. So I, I think uh, the best bet is you're, you're long in them. Okay, well, now when, you, when you say interest rates, because we have – such a diversion between short term and ten year. Yeah. Uh, well, I think what's going to happen can, can, is. Can you, I guess my ask, I'm going to ask you. Can you be more specific? Are you well, talking about the six month or the ten year? The 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 short term treasuries are going to be the pivot point, and I think eventually, the ten year is going to rise to be about one hundred fifty basis points 
higher than the short-term treasuries. So I think we're going to have this pivot point. I don't think the Fed can lower its interest rate that it controls. I don't think it can do it. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a pivot uh, on the uh, the high federal funds rate, which is set by interest on reserves. That's going to be like a pivot point. And eventually when the, when the yield curve normalizes, uh, the short-term rates are going to be right around the federal funds rate, which can't be lowered. And the long-term rates are going to be maybe 150 basis points above that pivot point. So you, uh, it's, it's why it's, it's good to have the, the both of us signed together. Is it saying the same thing twice, the both of us signed together? Um, I think so. Um, you, you look at this in more of a modern term on this. Where I, I look at it, I'm, I'm a real dopey classical kind of guy. And if I'm going to loan somebody money for 10 years, I'm going to talk about me, I'm talking about everybody together, the market. I'm going to want the anticipated inflation for the 10 years, and I want yeah. something for my money. And and I think as the Fed is, you know, basically horse bleeping around on this stuff between the 2%, which is they're never going to get to, or 3 or 4 or 4.5 or, or whatever the inflation is going forward because they're not going to attack the price level of the last four-year fiasco. There's, we're talking going forward. If, if you think that the forward rates are going to be 3.5% inflation, which I think is probably conservative, and add, add, add any kind of real interest rate on top of that, you're talking six and a half or seven. I know, yeah, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't take the near-term rate, which is a totally different program like you're talking about, interest on reserves. No, doesn't mean they can't take that back to four and a half. I'm not going to say they're going back to 0. 0.5 or one. I think they could easily take that back to four and a half with some largesse toward the market and have your 10-year rate only, be seven. They can only take it back if, when they do lower it, if they observe none of the reserves leaking out, uh, if, if none of those reserves leak out, then I think they can take it lower. But if those reserves start leaking out once they start lowering it, what, then what, they got to bring it back up or they got to stop lowering it. I mean, it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not debating that. What I'm saying is they are two totally separate things because one should yeah, be. I, I agree 100%. You know, yeah, one, the Fed can, your short-term rate, well, if, if your inflation rate's 12%, it's going to be at least 6 because in, in, in six months <laughs> you're pissing away 6% of your wealth, right? Yeah. Not, but I don't think we're, we're that at that point now. But it, it can't happen. Um, the reason why I think this way, Hal, is because I've seen it happen. I'm talking the, the term scarred. Like we talk about music, I can't get over the fact, even though I never wanted to be in the choir, the only guy I was told he couldn't be. Because my voice was so bad. Just saying. Oh, mine's that bad, but it can't be worse than my brother Todd's. They, I was at the point where they didn't even want to tell me not to sing for fear I might. You know, it was, I was that well, bad. My brother Todd's voice is so bad that when he karaoke's, he sings in one note. Well, and that, that, that note doesn't appear in the music. Yeah, that would, yeah, it would be like a monitor. But, <laughs> but uh, the lady who died in a traffic accident, my one of my 40-year friends, um, we spend a show all the time, she and I used to be uh, partners in remodeling business. And we ended up with this condominium up on the north side where the times before we went and got a mortgage, right? Which means you had to pay. The fees weren't as bad then as they are now, but you had, you had to pay fees and all that kind of crap. So she goes, you know what, I'll, I'll just get us a bridge loan at the then Continental Bank, which did all this work for Pullman, and she knew all the... Anyway, we get this bridge loan. And I'm going to say in November, I mean, right now everybody's talking about, man, oh, the Fed might do this and this month and that month and a quarter point then. That's all crap. The in- inflation was going up so fast. We got an 8.5% loan floating, I think, in November, and I spent most of the winter 
on weekends remodeling this place. We are both still working at Pullman. She helped, for sure. And uh, uh, by May, we sold the place, thank God. The rate had gone from 85 to 14 in six months. Oh, man, wow. So the idea that this stuff can't move or whatever, you know, if all of a sudden we get, you know, three or four hot CPIs like we did last week, and you know they're they're only giving us half the story anyway. Oh, I agree with that, yeah. So if all of a sudden we're talking about uh, an an 8% or a 9% inflation rate on top of what we already had, uh, I mean, these these long-term rates are going to go from, they're going to go from, where are they now? Well, I'm looking at the TNX is... uh, Four point two seven. Yeah. So I mean, that, could that be seven? A- yeah. And the short term rates not even move. Sure, it can because people are going to say, someplace, somewhere, people are going to get paid for giving somebody else money. Yeah. Younger people don't well, even realize you're supposed to get paid for your money. For God's sake. The one thing that is different is when, when you look at excess reserves through history. Excess reserves would pop during you know some kind of financial crisis. They got rid of excess reserves. Now they're just called all, they're all reserves, right? It, essentially, all the reserves that they have now are excess reserves. They just delete the name excess, right? They don't, right. They don't keep those two separate anymore. They're just reserves. But they are excess reserves. They're unemployed reserves. So what you would see in history is excess reserves would pop, and they'd come back basically down to zero, right? You don't see that anymore. Right now, you had just trillions I, I think, and trillions. You know what? You're, you you call you call it different. Yeah. Have you been listening to Carl when he talks about the the slop in the system is how long it takes market to stuff to get from wherever it's manufactured to market? He says there's like a a four month, four to six month slop in the system yeah. that is now being essentially used up. Is that this? Is that is that almost the same number as the excess reserves you're talking about? Uh, what is it? I, he's, talking, he's talking about like the, a lot of what the system is. People are, are, are the goods are coming from India and China mm-hmm. and all the other damn places. That because there's a there's a gap between them being produced and being paid for, that there actually is a slap in the system where the inflation doesn't catch up until it all it all evens out. Yeah. Is that the same thing you're talking about, where the stuff's not being paid for yet, but it's already in the system? Well, what I'm talking about is just the reserves that the Fed friends to purchase all this debt whether they're purchasing it directly or indirectly from banks. Well it used to come back to them at night. I don't think it is as much as it used to. Yeah. Well, they, they got, During COVID, sheer, during the COVID they spent, well they threw so much at us it was just coming back to them that the system couldn't even absorb it. But now I yeah. think it's being absorbed, isn't it? Well it, it's got to be absorbed because there's trillions and trillions of reserves just sitting there. right? And these aren't required reserves. They're just reserves that are sitting there. It's actually known as M- M0, right? It's the yeah. money that goes back to the Fed every night? Yeah. Well, when I'm talking about it, the, just the sheer number of reserves that they've created, and they got to trap that in the banking system by paying interest on reserves. So they didn't pay that interest on reserves. All those reserves would be coming out of the banking system in the form of a loan, right? And the, and, the, and loans, that's where we create money, right? Yeah, loans but I, I, don't, I don't think the demand for loans is is that big anymore, right? It's it's weird. I mean, your bank. I mean, I don't know how much you. you, you if, the, if the rate is low enough, if the rate is low enough, people will do weird things with the the, the, the big uh, guys. But how? But how many loans? I mean, there's a lot of smaller banks here in Illinois to give people loans for. But how many loans? I mean, these buildings downtown, they're not getting loans from banks anymore. They get them from these capital companies. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not like you know 
you and I, if, if we're building the building, we go over to First National Bank and get the loan for fifty million bucks. I mean, does anybody do that anymore with these banks? Yeah, I was reading an article about uh, mortgages, and you know, I find it really interesting that a, a bank will borrow the money to finance a mortgage, and then as soon as they make that mortgage, they sell it into the mortgage-backed security. Oh, sure, market. absolutely. Well, you got to wait a few months. You got to wait till. Nancy knows all about that. You actually have to wait for a couple of payments to come in before they'll take it, or some when she comes yeah, in next very, week. Yeah, it's very convoluted. Yeah, yeah, you it's know. very convoluted. Yeah, because I mean, when she puts out a loan, I, I mean, we'll ask her to, on Monday because obviously yesterday we weren't here. I think when she puts out a loan, if the people don't pay their first, like the first two payments, she's got to buy it back or something. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not just they don't buy it instantly, but. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know who. I think, uh, I think there's some banks out there that still hold them in house. Well, they they, they own they hold jumbos. Yeah. I mean, because that's you know those are that those won't be bought by Fannie or Freddie. They hold jumbos, but I mean, who? Uh, they don't. I mean, it's it's not their game. They're not like a savings and loan. They don't hold them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think one of the biggest problems in our system is we don't have any savings and loans anymore. Yeah. Because they would, they would hold the mortgages in their area. They knew about the area. They knew housing prices. They knew the people. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I, now, they, now they can just, you know, originate a mortgage and then sell it. They don't yeah. care it's paying. They, they just care if it, if the person can pay the first couple months, like Audrey was saying, right? Well, you know, there was a, uh, a, a potential client. This sounds like a weird story, but this is in 2007 or whatever. I should have known. Of course, you couldn't really short any of these mortgages like they said in the movie. How could you short them? I guess you could have short, shorted Bear Stearns, but you couldn't really short the mortgage. At least I couldn't. If I couldn't, then you couldn't. But the uh, the, the the lady, this guy, brings his wife with, and she's telling me she's got laid off. She's in the mortgage industry. And I look at her, and I'll, you shouldn't think like this, but the lady, was, the lady was, let's just say, very easy on the eyes, and I'm thinking, for them to fire her, something had to be really wrong. So I said, okay, what was going on? She goes, well, you know, we used to put together packages of mortgage, like for the month, Say three million dollars worth, and somebody would come by and pay us. How did she say five percent, three percent over? Mm-hmm. So somebody come by and give them, you know, three million and ninety grand for the mortgages after they, you know, stole all the money they could. I mean, charge people what they wanted to. It sounds better. She said somebody would pay somewhere between three and five percent over for the mortgage. Then well, they'd, think, they'd sell it somewhere the, else or whatever. I mean, I, I yeah, heard I think that part of the story on that, uh, Tom, is that. It goes back to that discussion we had about margin, right? Buying stuff on margin. Yeah. If, if you can, if you can buy a, a, you know, like that guy was buying those mortgages. If you can buy those mortgages, and you and you uh, know that the Fed's going to create inflation and those those particular assets are going to rise ten percent a year, you can leverage that purchase with one percent down, and you can get a five hundred percent return, which is why I oh, think yeah. that's going. on. Well, that's what Carl's always talking about is why these companies have gotten so big, why these ball teams and stuff yeah. are worth so much. Some people were able to borrow money at less than at less than the inflation rate. You should yeah. never you should never be able to do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if I know the inflation rate's happens, ten and you're gonna lend me money at five, I'm gonna go buy everything. Well, if if I can get a one percent down on a really low interest rate and I'm a, I'm a you know, I have you know, tons of cash, I'm gonna buy it on credit with one percent down. And then let her appreciate ten percent. Sell it. My one percent cash goes. That one percent cash I got when I sell it a year later is going to be three hundred percent to five hundred percent more in a year. Well, what's the the best thing in the world? Leverage the worst thing in the world. Leverage, right? 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it a question works. of timing. It's a question. Everybody gives timing. Hell, you take care of yourself. It works as long as the Fed creates inflation. Oh, yeah. More, more than more than your your rate of interest. Yep. SP futures down 18. NASDAQ futures down 79. Hell, good stuff. Thank you. Uh, so if you come to town, I only got to pop for two beers and you're gone? Yeah, that's it. I, I can only have one maybe at okay. this point in my life. Okay. <laughs> All right. Back, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. One beer. <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. That's all, folks.